On today's episode of the Driving Improvement Podcast, my guest is Peter Shankman, an entrepreneur, author of five books, corporate speaker, and host of the Faster Than Normal Podcast. When it comes to understanding change and dealing with challenges, Peter is an expert, having successfully started and sold multiple companies. His podcast has earned accolades for helping dispel myths about ADHD and ADD, and for helping those diagnosed to learn to use it to their advantage in life. In this episode, we discuss why treating people well is key to being successful, how he has harnessed his ADHD into his superpower, and what it's like to risk your last dollar in order to achieve something greater. All that and more on the Driving Improvement Podcast with Mark Russo, right now. Well, welcome in, everyone. I'm uh, excited on the Driving Improvement Podcast to have my friend Peter Shankman on. Peter, how are you? How have you been? Great to, uh, great to talk to you, Mark. I'm doing okay here. You know, a little, little crazy. Day, uh, God, day 7,844, I think, uh, of lockdown. <laughs> but, you know, doing the, doing the best we can, trying to get through it. Um, you know, single dad and the whole thing. And, 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 and here we are. So, Peter, as a guy uh, who I know, like, spends... God knows how many hours on an airplane. How are you dealing with the lack of movement and uh, flying and, and traveling all over the place like you're, you're normally want to do? Oh, it's a piece of kid. What are you kidding? It's horrible. I hate every <laughs> moment of it. I mean, I, I am I am always about being in the air and forward motion and, and, and it just stopped. It just fucking stopped, <laughs> right? And it's just like, it's like I went for a thousand miles an hour. Oh my God, I'm in six countries this, this week alone to just, here's my kitchen. Yeah. It is the same kitchen. As I mean, I swear to God, it's someone, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy from the nature thing should be narrating. Here we see Peter Shankman sitting for the 67th day in a row. He's getting frustrated. You can tell this because he's getting fat. It's like, it's just, oh, it's hell. Yeah. The, <laughs> the rare sighting of the Peter Shankman uh, sitting still. <laughs> And That's you know, it's, it's like, look, I mean, I, I'm, I'm blessed with the fact that I have, a, I have a great daughter. I'm, I'm doing like a lot of the single parenting here, and, and that's cool. I mean, I, you know, I, my, my, my ex, we're still great friends. She does a, she's working hard uh, at her company, and, and, um, you know, we, we try to make it fifty fifty, but it's, it's tough. I'm handling most of the day stuff, um, just because it's, you know, because I can, I, and I'm fortunate that I have the schedule to do that. But it's, it's, uh, it's hard, you know. I mean, yeah. even, even the concept of just getting out for a run has become a luxury. Right, not not an automatic, and it's it's tough. Well, Peter, you mentioned you have the the ability and flexibility to do that, so that kind of gives us the jumping off point. I mean, you you are uh, most assuredly an entrepreneur, and I wanted to give everybody a little bit of of background uh, of your origin story, if you will, and how you know you became the Peter Shankman of today in terms of you know running your own ship and and doing your own thing because your origin story is always just a great story so fill everybody in a little that's very kind i uh <laughs> i have no idea i um i started my career um working at america online down in uh, virginia right near you guys actually i was in i was in um the hell was i vienna virginia and i was there for a couple of years and and aol had a it was, it was amazing I, mean, I totally didn't expect to do it um and i wound up in this um sort of amazing place and uh, left AOL after a couple of years to come back to New York after a mass layoff and um, started a PR firm. And it was the summer of 98. I had no money and can need money to start a PR firm. And I figured I could take my, it was a time, the movie Titanic was coming in on video. I figured, let me take my rent money and we'll see what I could do. Maybe I can uh, 
uh, sell a, uh, and I made come up with an idea. I came up with this idea for a T-shirt that read "It sank, get over it." And I figured if I could sell a hundred of those in Times Square, a thousand, you know, 150, 180, I'd make my money back, right? I figured it would take, I don't know, a week to sell 180 shirts. I sold 500 shirts in six hours. Uh, I, I, I leaked the story to USA Today. Sold uh, ten thousand on the web in just over two months. Uh, mm. Story, and this is mind you, this is ninety eight. There was no WordPress. There was no, there was no uh, uh, any any Shopify. It was Peter and his like craptastic web skills, right? You know, buy shirt, yeah. click here, you click that you wanted a shirt. I'd send you an email with my address. You'd mail me a, a check. It was insanity, <laughs> um, but you know, it was fun, and uh, it wound up. Um, it wound up sort of jumpstarting my career. And that led to the PR firm. I started that, ran it for three years, sold it, um, consulted for a bit, eventually created this idea um, that I could connect journalists with sources all around the world. And sure enough, uh, that took off. And that became something called Help a Reporter Out or Harrow. And Harrow really sort of changed the face of public relations and marketing and how, how PR was done, how journalists found sources, how sources found journalists. Uh, three years after I started, it was it was making a fortune, and it was acquired by a company called Cision or Vocus, now 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 known as Cision, and um, that was sort of a game changer for me. Sold my um, sold my company, uh, sold sold it. Started consulting again, having fun. I've written several books. Uh, at one point, I realized that a lot of um, the reason I was doing the kind of stuff I was doing is because I'm massively ADHD. Finally, got tested. Um, and, uh, yeah, massively ADHD, like, duh, right? It's like, if you, if you break your leg and you see a bone sticking out of your leg, you don't need a doctor to tell you broke your leg, right? There's a fucking bone, you know, your leg is the same thing with ADHD, right? But okay, at least I had a name for my, my thing. And, um, so I wound up, uh, uh realizing that all, all my success was because of ADHD, not in spite of it. And that led to uh, a book, a podcast called Faster Than Normal, same name of a book. Here we are. So yeah, pretty crazy. So, you know, one of the things that I, I had to ask, given what you did to get started is, you know, <laughs> if somebody's not, I mean, you took a massive risk when you started there, uh, you know, took your rent money and said, I'm going to do this. And it turned out you pulled it off. If somebody's risk averse, are they going to reach their peak? Uh, are they going to be as successful as they could be if they're a risk averse person? Well, maybe that maybe their their peak is lower because they're risk averse, and if they reach that, great. I've always been in the opinion that what's the worst thing, thing that can happen if it fails? Uh, I literally said this to my mother: I'm going to start this PR firm, and I think I said when it fails. I was so sure it was going to fail. I said when it fails, I'll get a job, right? And it's been 22 years, I think. I haven't had to get a job yet, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, it'll be 22 years this uh, this October. So you know, the premise of of the biggest my biggest fear, the biggest risk you know, it's been said, is not taking one, right? And I heard a great quote this afternoon that, that is now like my all-time new favorite quote. It's, um, you know, for, it's for people who worry about the future. You know, when you, when the time comes to worry about that certain thing, the person in you who will worry about it will be born at that moment. Hmm. Right now, you're not that person. There's no reason to worry about that yet. Gotcha. That's cool. So on the flip side of that, if you had not risked your rent money on that, what do you think you'd be doing or where would you be right now? In hell. Uh, where would I be right now? I mean, I, I, 
had this idea that I'd be a journalist. Um, I guess I, I am in a way. I thought I would be a uh, – well, shit, I was supposed to be uh, taking pictures for Playboy. When I went to grad school for fashion and portrait photography, I was supposed to be shooting for Playboy. But um, I, I have no idea where I'd be. Um, probably working somewhere and unhappy, you know, maybe mm. living in a suburb somewhere. I don't know. But uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I'm very fortunate. Things. And look, you know, I, 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 you know, you say that like, you know, like it's my funeral. And then for the next 30 years, he worked as an entrepreneur until finally he was found dead, you know, in the arms of his eighth wife, uh, you know, who's recovering from exhaustion at the local hospital and is unable to attend the funeral. But no, I mean, I think that for me, it was I, I don't know where I am right now. Having fun. Right. I mean, this crazy. We're in this all in this crazy time having fun. I've pivoted a bit to make. To, to, to do things differently and that'll work for a while. And then at some point I'll get bored with that and I'll do something else. But that's the beauty of life. I, I had a skydiving friend of mine, old, old skydiver. You want to listen to old skydivers because if they're alive after they've skydived for 50 years and they're dead, you know, they know what they're doing. And he said, um, he said, if you don't like where you are, move. You're not a tree. Hmm. Right? And I've always believed that, right? I'm right now. I'm happy when, when the point comes around bored, I'm going to do something new. So one of the, and this sort of reaches back into what I do for a living, dealing with students and, and coaching people, Peter's, you know, failure for them, sometimes, you know, they view it as crushing, where some people will view failure as a learning experience and a guide. How do you deal with failure? Obviously, having pivoted and moved around and done a lot of different things, uh, all of, you know, which at least on the surface, everybody sees you as being extremely successful. But how do you deal with failure? I love everything about failure. Failure is awesome because failure means that you're gonna. It means that if you screwed up, you could still learn something, right? Failure is awesome because failure. You know, I want to hire anyone who hasn't failed. I want people to fail. The best thing about failure is learning. If you've learned something, it's not a failure, right? So for me, I like seeing. I like seeing. Um, uh, oh crap. Um, I like seeing failure. Um, I my my daughter just. I just got a text from the from the mother of the person my daughter's talking to on Facetime. It says we lost Jessa. Um. So yeah, I love. I'm I'm a huge huge fan of failure. I think that that being able to fail is is what gets you to learn and then grow again. Mm. So going into what you're doing, you know now and and sort of uh, advising and coaching, we're gonna get into a couple things there. But uh, you know, you pull up your website and you know your handsome face is on there, and a, and a term is on there or a question is on there that I've seen you use in a lot of places. How can I help you today? Uh, tell me about that question because you 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 do that you use that question a lot i've seen you just post on social media just random and say how can i help anybody today yeah i'm just a big believer that 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 um here's the thing man people with resources tend to distribute opportunities to people they trust right and so if you trust someone if someone if you if you can get someone to trust you when they need something they're going to come to you and that is a billion times more important and beneficial to you than selling. Mm. So how do you become, you know, in my estimation, you know, there's certain things as you advise and help people and, and coach that you have to be better at. Uh, you know, for me, especially like, I think listening is an incredibly uh, important skill. Uh, did you have to work at any particular things to become better at, at advising, consulting, uh, coaching people, talking to people and helping them uh, maybe improve a skill? I feel like everything uh, each day is a, uh, is a um, process to learn and get better. Right. I don't, I don't believe that just starting, you know, and say, Oh, I'll do this. You know, I, I, that's why I love these people who, um, you know, who within like three weeks are 
you know, have never done any remote learning or remote work in their lives. And three weeks later, they're like holding webinars, you know, 10 ways to get your, you know, remote employees, you know, from the bitch, you just started working remote three weeks ago, right? Don't claim that you're awesome at this shit. Right. And so, but it's the same thing. You see the same thing all the time with, with, um, with companies with everything. We are the best. I remember, uh, we are the best at cryptocurrency. This is like two months after Bitcoin started, right? When you need cryptocurrency advice, you don't even know how to spell cryptocurrency. <laughs> so, you know, I, I want people to fail. I want people to make mistakes. I want people to learn. Never stop learning. That, I think, is the key. So we mentioned earlier, um, you know, the ADHD and, you know, the book and the podcast, Peter. And so, you know, what was uh, what was the road like you know, growing up and then finally, as you mentioned earlier, sort of getting diagnosed. And then, you know, why was it so significant to you to write the book and, and do the podcast? <clears throat> I was a complete and utter, utter fuck up in school, um, hands down. I just, I don't want to see a kid have to go through the bullshit that I went through as a kid, right? My, my education, uh, my time in school, really until I got into high school, sucked. Because, you know, I, I was always interrupting the class. I was making, I was the practical joker. I was making jokes as a class clown. You know, I was I, I skirted by the skin of my teeth through every single... Um, every single, uh, Jessica, close your door, please. Skirted through by the skin of my teeth, every single, uh, class all the way through college. And what wound up happening was what I realized now is that I sat, I sat there making jokes because what do jokes do when people laugh at things I do that produces dopamine? What does dopamine do? Dopamine helps me focus. So I was actually trying to learn, right? My, my making jokes was actually an attempt to learn. But obviously, not the good one. <laughs> so, Peter, if if you know, as a coach, and from my perspective, this is a great you're a great resource to have talking to because you know I get somebody you know on my lesson tee, or somebody gets a a a uh, you know someone who works for them who has ADHD. What advice do you have for them in terms <laughs> of how best to deal um, with them so they uh, get the most out of their time together and and it's productive. I think that the first thing they should know is that you need to understand that your ADHD is a gift, not a curse, right? If, if, if you were driving a Honda all your life and then someone gave you a uh, Lamborghini and said, here, go have fun. If you drove it like you drove a Honda, right? Like trying to get on the highway by flooring it, right? You'd be dead. You have to learn how to drive your Honda or your Lamborghini. Rather. So it's the same thing with your brain. You have a faster brain than most normal people. You've been trying to slow it down your entire life. So you have to learn how to drive it the way that you're supposed to drive it. In that case, it means driving it you know, with certain rules and regulations in place so you won't uh, wind up crashing into a tree. You know, I, uh, I have certain rules in place that allow me to use the full capacity of my ADHD brain when I need to do that. Um, but making sure in the process, I don't, you know, slip off the, the rails or wind up, you know, uh, in Vegas with hookers and blow, whatever the case may be, right? <laughs> because stranger things have happened, right? You know, you sit there, you're like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to start. It's like, it's like, I joke that I, uh, you know, I wrote about this in the book. I, I was, I was researching, what the hell was I? I was researching how to change a bike tire. And I look up, and it's five hours later, and I'm on YouTube watching uh, how Roman sewage canals worked. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> it was like I just skipped five hours of time there, right? So 
It's crazy. It's, it's just crazy. You have to figure out how to get these things uh, in your brain. So, so, so you do it and you do it in such a way that you're able to use your brain the best way. So, you know, for me, it's like making sure I get the extra dopamine. How do I do that? I bust my ass and I exercise as much as I can every day, right? You have to do it. If you don't do it, what winds up happening, right? You wind up looking for dopamine in other places. You got to do it. So, I, you know, I do that. I eliminate choice. I, I eliminate, um, I have a uniform. It's t-shirt and jeans, right? Or if I'm speaking on stage, it's button-down shirt, jacket, and jeans. That's all that's in my closet. It's like literally labeled. Because if I have to look for like, oh my God, look at all that clothes. That vest. I remember that vest. Michelle gave me that vest. I wonder how she's doing. I should look her up. It's three hours later. I'm naked in the living room on Facebook. I haven't left the house. <laughs> you, you gotta, you gotta understand yourself, right? If I eat like shit, I'm gonna feel like shit. I try to avoid. I, what's the? I, I subscribe to the theory of the comedian once that he goes, I don't, I don't eat. I don't remember what comedian was. He goes, I don't, I don't stop eating when I'm full. I stop eating when I hate myself. And and I'm I'm, I'm sort of in that same boat. If 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 I. I've never had leftover pizza in my life. If I order a pizza, I'm eating the pizza. Absolutely. Leftover pizza is not a thing. So for me, I'm very aware of that. And I make sure that that's not a problem by, you know, avoiding the fact that could be an issue. Right? I avoid that situation. I don't order a pizza. I order, you know, I walk with my daughter to the, to the, to the pizza place and we have two slices and then we eat them and walk home. And so there's, there's no, there's not six slices. In Same thing with alcohol. I very rarely drink now. Because I wouldn't have one drink, I'd have sex. And mm. I wasn't going and getting drunk and doing stupid shit, but I wake up the next morning, just wouldn't feel that great. So I wouldn't work out as much. Well, now that I'm not working out as much, ah, oh, fuck it, I screwed up the day, let's order a pizza. P.S. The cycle's you know, six weeks in and I'm 20 pounds heavier. The fact that I haven't gained 20 pounds in the past eight weeks of lockdown is a goddamn miracle. <laughs> just a miracle in itself. Well, and you talk about you know exercising, Peter, and and I'm curious too because you know you've done Ironmans and marathons, you've trained for those things. How does your ADHD affect your ability to train? Do you have to train in a certain way uh, to keep your mind uh, occupied in that scenario, or does that just do it for you? Uh, it's a little bit of both. So for me, I have um, a certain rule. I will not go on. So a lot of my rides and my runs have been on my treadmill and on my bike because. Um, of my seven-year-old. I can't actually leave the house and, you know, go run outside or bike outside for a couple hours if she's here alone. I mean, I personally think I can, but I've, I've had several people tell me I can't, so I won't. But um, let's leave her like a salt lake or some shit. But um, so I get on my bike. Well, if I'm on my bike, I'm probably going to watch something on TV. So my rule is I will only binge watch shows um, on the bike or on the treadmill. Like I will not, because if I start binge watching a show on the bike and I get off the bike, I'm going to keep binge watching for the next eight hours. So if I'm not, not pedaling or not running, the show's not on. Okay. And that keeps me grounded, right? That doesn't that prevents me from 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 watching eight hours of Better Call Saul on a Wednesday. <laughs> so, uh, through everything you've you've done, Peter, what what's your definition of success? And then, have you gotten there yet? I've had success. My definition of success is being happy and being able to choose what I want to do some of the time, right? It's not all the time. I'm not perfect, but I'm able to have um, enough choice in my life where I can make decisions that benefit me and I'm not sort of beholden to other people for those decisions. Um, that being said, being an entrepreneur means that you're constantly hustling, constantly looking for the next thing. You know, I don't have paid days off. I don't have, uh, you know, Things like that. So, 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 but on the flip side, I get to, um, not right now, but there'll be times when I'll be like, you know what? I have a meeting in or a keynote in 
Tokyo, I'm from there, I'm going to fly to Dubai because I want to see uh, Formula One, right? And I can. And that to me, or, or I can, I can meet up with some people from Formula One and try to try to work a deal with them where I, I influence them or something like that, right? This weekend coming up, in fact, I was supposed to be in the Andretti suite at the Indy 500. And I'm not. Yeah. Because here we are. Yeah. So, yeah, but it's, it's those kind of things that I'm fortunate that I get to do. So for me, I think I'm, I've been successful. But I, at the end of the day, am I happy? Yes, that's what matters most. So uh, along the way, you know, you've done a lot of different things. So, and I ask this question to a lot of people because I'm always curious, but was there a big lesson or a moment, you know, uh, obviously we talked about your big risk that you took early on, but was there maybe another lesson or, um, experience that shaped you or really impacted you along these different, you know, a different roads that you've traveled through your career? I think I've had several. Um, the first one, there's a moment in time when I realized that um, my uh, no one will ever be as passionate about what I'm building as I am. And so if you try, if you build something and you want to hire someone, you think they'll take most of the pressure off you, they won't. Hmm. If you're building something, it has to be your baby. No one will ever be as passionate about it. And the second thing is that um, boats don't sink because of the water outside. Boats sink because of the water that gets in it, right? And so know your team. Know the people in your tribe, right? Find out which ones are not pulling their weight, haven't have a leak or sinking. Hmm. Get rid of that. At the end of the day, there are only a few people in the world that should really be inside your head all the time. Like for me, it's my parents, my daughter, and my ex-wife, despite my best efforts. And so they sit in my head and that's okay because they're a huge part of my life. Other people who have no uh, effect on whether or not I get to pay my rent, I don't let them stay in my head anymore. Life's too short. That's cool. So where where do you go uh, to for improvement, Peter? Like, do you do you uh, go to one avenue or certain places to to find and learn new things? I mean, you're doing so many different things. I'm interested to find out how you continue to try and improve yourself in in certain areas, whether it be work or anything else. I go to the gym. Um, the gym is where I, it's sort of my church, uh, the gym, you know, whatever it is, the gym, the, uh, the, uh, the Peloton bike, um, kettlebells. I have two 22 pound kettlebells that I, I've been using almost every day over the past eight weeks. Uh, I, the, the irony is I've never had more muscle, muscle definition in my life. I'm eating like everything in, in the house, but I, I still have, my muscles are getting stronger because I'm sitting here with nothing to do but lift kettlebells. So that's great. But I go to, I go to a place inside of me. It's either on an airplane or in a gym. That's literally the only, the, my two places. Um, it works. So when you're on, you, you also do keynote speaking to large groups and that scares the living shit out of a lot of people to stand on a stage and talk to people. What is, what is it about uh, doing that, that you love doing and what makes you so good at it? That's my happy place. Um, there's something about being on stage that I just love. I love being on stage. I love being in front of people. Now, mind you, I, I'm the world's most introverted extrovert. So I love being on stage in front of 10,000 people. That's my home. But put me in a dinner party with six people and I'll be in the back room playing with the cat because that's the last place I want to be. Mm. Right. So it, it, it's a weird scenario like that, but I love being on stage. I love commanding the room. I love owning it. Yeah. So uh, what's next for you, Peter? What's next for me? I am, I'm always working on another book. I just launched another podcast called 20 minutes in lockdown.com and it's uh, interviews with really cool people um, all around the world who are dealing with uh, the same crap that we're dealing with all over the place. Um, what else am I doing? I'm learning. I'm, I'm improving my cooking. I'm a surprisingly decent cook, which is sort of shocking, but I'm actually a pretty good cook. Um, 
and yeah, I just can't wait to get back on a plane, man. I can't, that's so amazing to hear. So many people don't like to fly and you just, you love it because you do so much of your work on planes, don't you? I very well might get on a plane next weekend just for the hell of getting on a plane. I, I, I didn't need to go anywhere. I'll go to Chicago. I'll come back the same day. I don't care. I just, I just, I want to be in the air. Wow. And don't even get me started on how long it's been since I've skydived. Yeah. How often when life is in normal mode, how often are you, you jumping out of a plane? <laughs> During the summer, I try not. I try to go at least uh, once every week if I can, and and during that, like for a day, and I'll do like five or six jumps a day. Wow. So the the other question I have for you here, Peter, is you, you spoke to helping people the other day. I mean, it, or earlier, I should say. I, I think I asked this to everybody I talked to, but there's something that people love about helping other people. What what is it that just that rings true with you when it comes to helping others? And, and making their lives better? We are all on this planet together. And what's the quote? Uh, light, dark cannot drive out dark. Only light can drive out dark or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you either have two chances. You could bitch about all this shit or you can try to make it better. And if you can make it better a little bit, that's a win, right? And, you know, it's funny. I'm the most cynical person you'll ever meet, but I still find um, ways to do that in the respect that, like, back when we were all taking subways and buses and, you know, planes all that, I, I always carried uh, about 50 really cheap earbuds in my, in my bag. And when that one asshole was on his phone on speaker or watching a YouTube without headphones, or whatever, I just go over and give him a pair of headphones. But like, here you go. And that's the most passive, that's some like next level passive aggressive shit, right? <laughs> but it cheered up everyone on the, on, you know, around me. They all laughed and they loved it. And the guy actually did benefit now he had a pair of headphones, right? Even if it made him look like a complete dick to have them. Well, that's a win. There's no way that's not a win, right? I like helping people. It's a good thing to do. Plus it balances out the karma. I'm also the guy who carries outlet stickers, with me. And when I get to the airport, I stick them on walls and I, I just watch people. They try to plug it to a wall. I wasn't going to bring that up. But that, is, <laughs> that is next level evil too. It's something if I'm going to hell, why don't I have some fun with it and like, you know, see what, see what good I can do as well. Peter, how can, uh, how can people who are listening find you? I'm at Peter Shankman on all the socials, including Peloton. And my world is at shankman.com. My email is Peter at shankman.com. I welcome, I welcome the conversation. When is your, uh, when do you th foresee your next book coming out? Next book, probably next year. Uh, right now, I'm focused on the Iron Man, Iron Man Kona, which was supposed to be in October. They pushed it to February, so that's three more months to lose more weight and train. But I'm doing my third Iron Man, uh, Iron Man Kona, uh, the World Championships in February, and I'm doing it for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. So shankman.com slash Iron Man lets you send a few bucks to the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, which is a really great place to be. Perfect, man. Perfectly said, and helping people as usual. Well, Peter, listen, it was great to catch up with you. Uh, I hope you uh, maintain some level of sanity as best you can. And, um, you know, be well, train hard, keep doing what you're doing, man, and helping people. And it was awesome to talk to you and wish you and your family all the best. Mark, always a pleasure. My best to you and the family and the kids as well. And stay in touch. Thanks so much, Peter. All righty. Thanks to Peter Shankman for joining me today. Really enjoyed the conversation, and I hope he's inspired you to go out and help others. And I also hope that he's inspired you to take the risk, if you haven't been taking it, to do the thing that you love. Be passionate about it, 
and follow your passion like Peter has. He also said failure is awesome. And I think that's an important part for you to remember that failure may be your jumping point to living your best life. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Driving Improvement Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you on the lesson team.